Welcome to the podcast. Come be part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion, and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney, and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. See, I wanted to have the sound effects that would let me do applause. Can you bring that up? Because Not while this is playing, I don't think. Try it. See what happens. It might cut out abruptly. Nope. Uh-huh. All right. Well, that was not, not the way I wanted to do it. Uh, Peter Heck is on the podcast with us today. Hey, two questions right off the bat. Uh-huh. Did you record the music for that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that something you're playing? Is that something we're playing? What do you mean? Like on a guitar or whatever. Oh, right? no. That's no, all no. I did it. I did digital it. magic. I oh, did okay. it with a with a computer. I'm not actually playing oh, okay. the instruments, but. Right. But I did uh, compose you, it, like Pete. You, don't you play the harmonica or something? <laughs> uh huh. I do. Yeah. Does so, I, I mean, I didn't think it was that dumb of a question. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was a. No. It was a. Uh, it was a great question. Anybody? Okay, I guess what I should ask is if you liked it. No, I. I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, number two, where are we there? Is that uh, is that your house? This, this is, is my like, house. The peaches house. Okay. We're at the kitchen table of the comedian next door. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I caught the kitchen table part, but I didn't know whose kitchen table where we were. So yeah. Yeah, it's my house, and I'm probably my kids are coming through. Um, they're making chocolate milk about six feet that way. That's why it sounds oh. like there's construction going on yeah. outside no, it's great. because they're making chocolate milk and that's machinery heavy. Yeah. Uh, Pete's actually broadcasting from a bunker that he built yeah. himself. I'm a prepper. <laughs> He's not. He doesn't look prepared for much, but it's, it's coming. He looks like he's got a plant, though. So if, if the whole world gets nuked, he'll be able to. Start. He's prepared it's to not die. Not just a plant. You've honestly never seen this, and you like nope. it's all. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step over and open the door to the shed. Mm-hmm. Like I made this like the rainforest cafe in here. Okay, like, okay. Where it's like green greenery everywhere. Hang I can't on. wait to see it. Yeah, cannot wait. Now we're going to have to put video up for this one. We're not even recording. You can hit record. Can you see the greenery of it and all that? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, there's greenery on the door. He wasn't kidding. Well, you're not kidding. Why did you do that? Hang on. Hang on a second. got to shut the door. The bugs will get in. I thought he was setting this up. (laughs) I thought he was going to say, oh, it's going to be covered in greenery, and then it was going to be just a single potted plant. But I was wrong. No, 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 no. There's literally plants growing inside that building, like on the ceiling and walls. they're fake. And I've got a, I've got one of those little, um, uh, what do they call them? Cascading waterfalls over there, uh-huh. just that direction. Uh-huh. And then I've got lights. Like I don't know, can you see lights if I turn these on? This is my favorite part. See if I can. He's made himself be a like disco. a little. It's it's the sort of thing that you would expect elves to live in when they're making cookies. It very much reminds me of like '90s at the skating rink. You know what it reminds yeah, me it's of is the, yeah. the lighting of the <laughs> rails like in our show. Uh-huh. You see the lights there? I that's do. Cool. I do. So 
the only thing I'm not going to do is I've got the speaker thing and I'll turn on the rainforest sounds. So it literally lets me escape from, and honestly, the columns that I write, all that stuff, it's done out here with all that going on. So I'm out of the world. Hmm. That's what I do. I wish I had known that before I asked him to come on the podcast. <laughs> you know what? Would that have changed things? Because that would have changed everything. I just- I don't understand why you're being judgmental. By the way, do I need more light on my face? Because I bought this. Oh, we're, <laughs> you don't need. We're not currently recording video, but we could. Oh, well, you're not. By the way, do I need more light on my face? Are you recording? Do you want to record I the video? Can. You, it's not a touch remember, screen. Like I don't need you to record video. I just thought we were because I can see you guys. So right. I didn't know. That's right. for that's for uh, right, friendliness. Now we're, now we're recording. There now. Do you remember that? thing where trump put his hands on that ball or whatever that globe and his hair stood up no and there were all the world (laughs) leaders around and they did okay no is that what it's fine not all of us pay as much attention to current events as the history teacher i don't pay attention to america big deal i'm looking it up right now while we're talking trump and the globe (laughs) that is not gonna do it Hang on. Okay, look. How can I show you this picture? You can share can I a screen. A picture? That's what? the weirdest thing. You can thing. share he's, a screen if you click share. He's sitting in his in his bunker that's covered in greenery, and he's got lights overhead and a, like a crystal ball thing, and then obviously access to the internet too. It's it's the strangest amalgamation okay. of technology and. So it's not. Uh, it's not letting me share my wilderness. screen because of my preferences. Oh well. In your preferences. It's the thing down at the bottom of your screen, dude. It's right. Yes, it's but my computer bottom. has a privacy. Hmm. All right, look, here's what I want you to do. I, we don't, we're not going to waste time on this, me trying to figure this out. I want you to type in to your Google machine. <laughs> we're going to waste Trump, time Googling. Your okay. Google machine. Trump Globe Hands. Trump type that in. You'll see globe. him. There's obviously some kind of Saudi prince, and they're all touching this glowing globe. Uh, I can't I believe see that it. you haven't seen it. Okay. No, I do see it now. So yeah, what does it and mean? It was like a big. It, it was a big thing. Like everybody joked about how, like I don't know. What does anyway, it all mean? Hmm. What? So is it glowing because they're touching it, or was it glowing? It would it glow anyway? I don't think that we'll ever know. Because that that seems like the pertinent question. Yeah, I think that the pertinent is. question. I think the pertinent question is what would the globe do if Joe Biden put his hands <laughs> on it and sniffed it. <laughs> It would, yeah, <laughs> right, right. What it would develop COVID and shrivel. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete, it's been too long. So, uh, been, yeah, since last summer, I think. Yeah, Peter Heck is a teacher, a public school teacher. Yeah. Right. You can tell Carl about that. I have a kid crying. Oh, okay. Peter Heck is a public school teacher. He and I have had many conversations. We've done shows together. Remember when we, we used to do shows together? Those were the days. Uh, like you, you were always so at ease, and you'd roll in, and I was stressed out. <laughs> you were stressed out weeks in advance. Yes, yes, yeah. I was. And yep. the bizarre thing about it is, when it comes to between the two of us, you spend a lot more time standing up in front of people and talking than I do even as a stand-up, because you do it literally every day for multiple hours a day. And yeah, I, I would do it true. a couple of times a week for maybe an hour. Yeah, that's true. And But you were... yeah. Every, I think it was more... It was always more the... 
like I was always confident in my material when I do that other stuff. In comedy, I'm just not. That's not my thing. I'm not confident. But they were. Well, we always got rave reviews, though. We always got people yes. that were like, "You have to do this again," and it grew. We had one show we did. It grew to. We had like 600 people there. We had more than 600. Katie can tell you because that was the one she did for her senior project to help with publicity and all of that. Yeah. And we sold out the auditorium, and there's 800 seats in that auditorium. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Now. I will say that I was also stressed about all the logistical stuff because you never gave a rat's rear end about that. No, right. no, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't care about your reputation in the community. Yeah. All I cared about was my own. You didn't care. Rumor has it. You didn't care about people being able to use the restroom at intermission. Oh, that was a, that was at a different venue. <laughs> that was at a different <laughs> venue. <That laughs> yeah, we changed venues one year and there was like one bathroom for <laughs> one 400 stall. people. Yeah. yeah. One stall for 400. <laughs> Man. And they're like, well, we can open up this other part of the building. Would that be helpful? Yes. <laughs> yes. That would be yes, helpful. Would. Unless you I just I don't I still don't know and I love them, but I don't know how you don't think about that ahead of time. Yeah. That yeah, that's was, gonna need to be open. Right. How how they how they wouldn't have maybe mentioned that to us during right. the planning phase. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you have more than four people here, it may be it may be a challenge to get yeah. everybody's bladders relieved. Hey, are the kids all okay there? Well, define okay. They're, <laughs> they're still living. They're it's still late living. afternoon and, you know, I homeschool, so they're with each other all day. So this is about the time right before their dad gets home when, like, just things run amok. So, yeah, yeah they're okay. They're about to go and play a board game together, which will be probably five minutes or so of, of distraction, yeah. and then I'll probably have to get up again and break up a fight. So that's okay. Yeah. Carl's used to it. Carl sees that all the time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So uh, go ahead. I know it's not like I'm not supposed to be interviewing you guys, but I'm just no, curious. You're not. Like you're not you, John. I don't care about you. Okay. Um, but your sanity level with homeschooling, mm -hmm. because that's the big thing that everybody says, oh, I can't do it. I can't imagine being home with my kids and doing all of that stuff. I mean, yeah. What is it for you? Yeah, it's it's doing hard things. Yeah, it's basically just a thing that I think I should be doing and I think is right. And, and so there's blessings attached to that. I think it's like, I'm going to be the reason that we have to be pretty quick with the recording tonight is because we're going to the gym and I just, you know, compare it all to going to the gym. It's like, nobody really likes to, there's a million reasons why you could just decide not to, but having yeah. finished it, usually that's when you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. That was a good thing. And I'm glad. And you know, we're all healthier for it. But yeah, right. there are days, this is the first week. So we started, this is only day four. And the first three days were like really good actually. And so I was yeah. kind of looking over my shoulder waiting for the shoe to drop. But um, but they were they were really enthusiastic and like helping each other. And the older one mm -hmm. is like actually helping the others learn how to learn, which is just super. Cause I taught her and now I don't have to teach the others as much because she kind of handles it. Um, yeah. But yeah, then today, my first grader and my third grader both had their own version of meltdowns. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is, yeah, <laughs> this is familiar. So that it happens. So, yeah. so does that, well, the, uh, the thing that I wanted to 
talk to you about was your sanity level <laughs> as a public school teacher with all the stuff that's going on. We talk yeah. about education quite yeah. a bit on this podcast. Yeah, because at least when I'm having a bad day, I can just be like, all right, everybody outside, we're taking a walk, we're going to right. McDonald's, we're whatever we're going to do to just kind of break it up. But yeah, I don't have certain like people from the government breathing down my neck or telling yeah. me what I need to be doing and when my kid is, you know, not where he, quote, should be. And so right. that's... That's all a benefit as far as I'm concerned. So Pete is a guy that, uh, like I said, we've been at least pretending to be friends for a number of years. So I can have franker, more, yeah. more franklier. Yeah. More franklier conversations. Uh, and generally, like I said, Pete, we talk quite a bit about education. And, yeah. and the network that we're on, the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network is, uh, how do I say this? They're not hostile towards uh, public education, but they're very much uh, advocates of, as are we, of homeschool and parents basically taking responsibility, Christian parents taking responsibility for educating their own kids. Mm -hmm. And so I think it would be good to hear from a public school teacher, not necessarily a defense, I don't think you need to raise a defense, but just what are the challenges that a Christian teacher is facing you know, in trying to trying to honor God with your with your life and your service in a in a place where uh, where you know the foundation in public school is not is not Christian, so you don't get a lot of support from the uh, from the system. And yeah. so, so what's your stress level like? I mean, how do you, no. do you come home and want to just chuck the whole thing and live in your <laughs> in your bunker full of lights and Plants. No, I I mean this is it's similar to what it's always been when whenever we've talked about this. Like uh I think that public education is fatally flawed and it's not one of those things that you can fix because from the very inception it's just it's got a fatal number of fatal flaws built into it. So it's not I've never felt like I'm there to try to save the system. Or that if more people like me did what I'm doing, that we could somehow turn this thing around and make it because I think the system is fatally flawed. Right. What's always motivated me. Well, actually, what motivated me to begin with was the subject matter. I wanted to teach history and government and um, I wanted to teach it to kids. And of course, I had the perspective. I want to teach it the right way. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know how successful I've been at doing that, but. I guess in the last five or six years, maybe, um, and maybe even longer than that, my motivations and um, thoughts about why I'm there and what I'm doing, it's not, and maybe this is bad, but it's not really, um, it's not really tied to those things anymore. I still, I mean, I love American history and I try to make it entertaining and um, I hope the kids learn something, but I think uh, they do. I think they do. I, I mean, I, I have never, I've, I've never been in a classroom with you, but we've done some several events together where we're yeah. teaching apologetics and Bible and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things about Pete is he goes, it, it's a, it's amazing to watch because he's so fast. I mean, it's like the, it's like a fire hose of information. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not Ben Shapiro. 
I don't know, man. We should time it. We should find the know. words per minute for <laughs> Shapiro versus Heck. So, but the oh. other thing that I've noticed, and just from from observing at a distance, is that you do have a because I've seen some of your back and forth with Twitter, and I've seen some. You've talked about some of the exchanges that you've had with kids over the years, and they like you. I mean, it's not like they 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 talk to you. They, they tease you and they make fun of you and they call you names, which yeah. is all things that children do yeah. when they are when they are endeared to you. They don't mess around with people that they don't like. So, right. well, and that's what I was getting at. That that's really where I've come to. That, um, I, how do how do I approach this? Like you all know this that you're never going to solve the problems of American society, unless you deal with the roots of the problems in the American family and the vast majority, vast majority. Now, maybe I shouldn't say vast. The majority of the kids that I'm dealing with um, are coming from broken homes and weird situations. And they have even many of the church kids, there's no spiritual foundation there whatsoever. Um, there's no biblical literacy. There's none of that stuff. And so um, many of them don't have any kind of positive male role model in their life. And so that's where I've kind of come to, I, I think that maybe I'm there more to build relationships with young people, be a sounding board for those young people, hope that they're learning something um, content wise along the way. But um, I guess I, I want to be representative of the kingdom of Christ in a way that when the inevitable questions come and hopefully they will come and they will come at some point in time that I will be somebody that they're willing to, that they're willing to talk to. And I've seen that happen, you know, a, a number of times, not, I mean, I'm not talking like 80% of the students that I have anywhere close to that, but hopefully it makes a difference for the ones that, um, that do. And it's, it's kind of that, um, I was just talking, I don't remember how long ago it was, but the aspect of Christian joy, that it's not counterfeit. It's not, and the analogy, and I don't remember where I heard the analogy. I don't know if it was Alistair Begg. I think it was Alistair Begg that had used the analogy of the difference between like an orchid, a tree that's growing because of the life inside it versus a, an artificial Christmas tree that you're putting ornaments on. And that's what the world is. It's trying to dress itself up and pretend that it's happy and joyful and all of these things, but it's dead inside. And so what I want to be is represented a representative of the other. And, and so that when people think of Christianity that have had me in class, he was a joyful dude. He, he, there was something different about him and I want that. So honestly, that's, yeah. that, that's my motivation in it. Um, if you're looking for somebody to give a, a defense of the public school system, I'm no. not your guy. No. Well, and again, I wasn't, uh, that wasn't what I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, we and have, by the way, uh, our word for our homeschool this year, a la Charlotte Mason, she says you should pick a word. Our word for this year is joy. Is it? So there oh. you go. Yes. Isn't that we're, funny? We're we talking didn't even about set this up ahead of time, Carl. This is all spontaneous. We're talking about how to how to cultivate it, how it's related to other disciplines, how obedience and yes. doing hard work and things like that that we don't necessarily attribute to joyfulness actually does lead to joyfulness in Christ and things like that. Very, very fun stuff. <laughs> yes. 
I, you I, can see the child that's joyfully climbing on the furniture in the background, right? Yes, and yeah. I okay. I occasionally hear a very joyful noise coming from the other room too. I don't know who or what that's is Emmy. happening. Cammy, well, that was Emmy climbing, but Cammy is the one who's literally screeching at the top of her lungs. But I think it's I think it's, it's still joy. friendly. It's joyful. Yeah. Yeah. It is joy. How many are there, by the way? I have four. So I have okay. a sixth grader, uh, third grader, first grader, and a preschooler. Okay. Yep. I thought it was four, but I couldn't remember. And I think my youngest and your is the same age as one of yours. Or no, Colin, which is my my third grader. Do you have a third grader or thereabouts? Yeah. 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 Third, fifth, seventh. Okay. Yeah. Second. I think that Jenny and I were pregnant at the same time yeah. with the third graders. So. Uh, yeah. Jenny's gestation period was only six months, so... Um, she's That's, just made that way. All of those hecks are overachievers. We didn't have six time. months is all we it took. To yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we don't have time to do nine months. Uh, six months yeah. is all you get. Now I will say Easy. back to the education thing that, um, one of my favorite things to do are homeschool conferences and well, I say favorite things to do sometimes. It can be a little awkward. Um, there's been a few awkward <laughs> moments at a homeschool convention or two. Because they but, find out um, that you're a public school teacher or something? No, it wasn't that. It was, well, I, I'm not comfortable telling the story uh, here. <laughs> it was just, it was a mom that was trying to teach her son a, a lesson. Um, how? I'm really trying to dance around this one. Um, so it was just... Some sort of biology lesson or something like that? that it was along those lines. Yeah. It was about um, what we should and shouldn't do with our bodies. Uh -huh. And um, brought him up, this poor kid, to me. Uh, he'd never met me. He was just there. I spoke. And she walked up with him and said, let's just say the kid's name was Jason, and said, um, Jason had a question he would like to ask you. And then turned and looked at him. And Jason had no desire to ask this question. But he was being forced to ask this question. Right. And I mean, it was a question that I did not. I'll talk to my kids about this stuff, but. Right. Lady, that's not my job here. I don't want to be the one. To, <laughs> I feel like mom maybe walked in on something and was appalled by it and so decided, I know, let's have this guy. Let's have this stranger yes. talk to my son about so, it. That. That could have spoiled me had that been the first homeschool convention I went to, but it was not. And that's so such a homeschool like thing, it's too. Kind of been like, this must happen at every homeschool convention. <laughs> that's like that's like the opposite of the issue that I was complaining about a few weeks ago when there was a pastor, a friend that I went to, to college with who's now a pastor of a very large church in Fort Wayne. And I, I saw on his social media that he, he posted what he thought was a funny conversation between he and his nine-year-old girl. Oh, so no. she's nine. Yeah. And he was, like, talking about how awkward it was. And literally his answer to her, she's nine. And he posts on social media that, like, the more she was asking, well, why or what do you mean? He said, oh, that's a conversation for another day. Or we'll we'll talk about that some other time. And then he just did these like cry laughing emojis. Like, can you believe it? And it's like, well, sweetie, a, that's a question for Peter Heck. You're a dad <laughs> and you're a pastor. And who are you waiting to like? Yeah, right. that's not a question for your father. We're saying yes. that one. 
Right. That's like the, the opposite. Because the homeschoolers at least understand like this is it is our job to make sure that the kid gets right. this information. Whereas like the the other philosophy that I think you're talking about before, where even churched kids, they have no yes. foundation for anything at all, where the parents don't seem to think that it's their job at all to make sure right. that they're educated. Right. So, yeah. Right. Very and, homeschool and problem. I think that factors into not only uh, well. I mean, we're talking about character development and morality and all of those things. Uh, it's the youth minister's job. I see a lot of that, too. Uh, the youth minister will handle this situation, and that's where the Bible training takes place. And we're we're seeing the results of it. I mean, uh, John, you know, I think Amanda may know that I do that. Um, the Bible, it's basically a, a Bible survey class. It's public high school, but it's completely constitutional. It's essentially the historical side of the text. But You've got church kids who take the class and do not know who Noah is, who do not know who Moses is. Right. I mean, even the most basic. It's why at our church we've talked about doing a Sunday school class that is basically Bible literacy. And I mean, even calling it Sunday school, though, you're going to turn people away. They don't want to come to Sunday school class. But Bible literacy, because people just don't don't know. And again, that to me is it's one of the things that has motivated me we got rid of the i'm not speaking against these but we got rid at our house of the of the children's devotionals and we just use the bible mm -hmm. and we'll read from the book of genesis and we'll talk about it and not that i'm opposed to devotionals some people aren't comfortable enough being able to expound upon the scriptures but i mean you got to be reading that with your kids right. uh, and instead of uh, you know this but it's it's kind of sad to see some of it yep. all of it well i think that that is Part of the reason that people have a hard time going, well, I, uh, I can, I can homeschool my kids. That's a, the reason because they've never really taught their kids anything. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a, there's a lot of parents who've never taught their kids anything. And so right. the line, the line that I have heard a number of times, um, well, I just can't talk to my kids. I, I just don't know how to right. talk to my kids. I mean, <laughs> that's not, that's not good at all. No, but no. it's, and I don't know how, I don't know how true that is, and how much of it's it's just is, an excuse. I, I don't know. You're you're younger than me, uh, but I I don't know if this was was the case when you were in church. But a lot of that was pushed on uh, Christians by by various authorities, authors, and speakers, and things like that who would say who would give instructions on how to talk to your kids about the bible how to yeah. how to share your faith with your children how to how to connect with your teens like there was yeah. some special way to do it that you right. needed their help expert to, yes. yeah to understand otherwise you were just going to screw it up you know if you try right. if you dumb parents try to go and connect with your kids especially if they're teenagers without yeah. our help you're going to muck it all up and uh, is right. some was that some of what you heard when you were, I don't, I don't remember um, when I was a kid. If I remember hearing that, I certainly remember um, that being an issue. I mean, that you look at the the books that are out there, the the marketing angle for here's the the ten best ideas for approaching this subject with your with your child, mm -hmm. and all of this stuff, and so. Whereas you could look at that as, okay, these are nice resources that I can take some things from, some ideas from, and maybe incorporate them. 
it is now to the point where it paralyzes some people to think that I, I don't know enough to do this. I need right. someone. I, I mean, I'm not going what if to they ask a reveal. question I can't answer. Right. I'm going to I'm not going to reveal, but I'm dealing with the situation right now because I preach on Sundays that parents have essentially said, will you talk to our kid about this particular issue? Because you're the you're the preacher, so right. you should. Uh, why? I, I mean, I. It's what we're saying. It's it's just it's a big problem. Yep, right. we did an episode of our. We had a, a podcast with my sisters. That's we've taken a hiatus for a while to actually do the mothering that we were talking about so much on the podcast. Um, but but we did an episode where we talked about. Um, the outsourcing of parenting. Yeah. And we do that with everything. Like, yeah. you know, oh, this kid has a fever. We don't even know how to like give our kids Tylenol and a cold cloth on their forehead anymore. Like we have to rush them to the ER. We have outsourcing for our sports. You know, if we, if our kid needs to do something athletic, we're going to go find a coach who coaches yeah. their baseball team or coaches their basketball team. Um, they, we outsource education. Obviously we outsource the, the pastoral care and spiritual formation and so, yeah, it's bad. And what's what's especially bad about it, and what I'm not sure how to how to get at the center of the knot about, is like how do you stop it when people think that's correct? I mean, they actually right. are going on like mommy groups and things and asking each other for recommendations on a so-called expert who can help them, right. and and they think that that's what their job is. Like God gave them this tiny human so that you could go and pay other people, you know, or find volunteers, ideally, who could do like the bulk of the actual pouring into them. And it's very weird, but it is. And, and you're also when you try to address that, uh, there there's a line of common sense someplace because the, the legitimate response is not legitimate. The illegitimate response that people will say is, OK, but if your child's sick, you are not trained as a medical doctor right. to know how to deal with that illness. So you would take them to the doctor and that's all we're doing. So there is a line in there somewhere and it's exploited. I think in, in some cases intentionally so that I can wash my hands of right. this and I'm not responsible for the consequences. Right. Right. People and are going to say, Oh, so you have to literally spend 24 hours a day with your kids. Do you take your kids to the YMCA and drop them off at child watch? I do, by the way, very much looking forward to that in about two hours. Like they, they ask, you know, so you would, you wouldn't even pay somebody to tutor them in piano. And it's like, no, I would, and I can. And that's different than having yes. everything done by somebody else all the time. Hey, yep. kids crying again. I'll be back. Right. See, like sweet, she has an outsource going and checking on the children when they're killing yeah. each other. Well, her only alternative is you. Would be me, right. To, and, and that's like doing that nothing. Did. That's doing nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, I think that the, uh, the crisis, we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast too, is that people do not know how to be in community anymore. People don't sure. know how to form uh, groups. And that starts with the family. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of generations or several generations now that have grown up in uh, families that are completely broken into various pieces. Yeah. Some of them fragmented into dozens of pieces and yeah. that, and they don't know that that's not how you do it, that you, you just hang around each other until somebody gets upset or bored or 
whatever, and then you go find somebody else, and right. you and you form a new group, and that has been uh, perpetuated into the church. You've got people now who are who have no qualms about changing churches or leaving churches for right. all sorts of reasons, and uh, and then of course the society at large. We can't now. We can't get along with each other. You know, in America anymore, because we have different political ideologies and different backgrounds and socioeconomic, all, basically all the things that, that keep us from being able to form a family are now preventing us from forming a nation. And that's, it stands to reason that that's what's going to happen. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like you're saying that it takes a village. And I think that you've been reading <laughs> Hillary Clinton's book is what I think. Did I? Is that I'm what it sounded sure like? What you, I'm pretty sure what you just said was exactly what she was arguing I in that think, book. Yeah, well, she was. <laughs> what she was saying was it takes a government, uh, right? And, and what right. I'm saying is it takes a family. Yep. That's the basic unit that we have to get right, and that is the thing. What's distressing about that is the is the number of people who don't feel qualified to teach their children. For example, like I don't know how to do it. I need to. They they also don't know how to be a husband or a wife. They don't know how to be, a, they don't know how to be a member of a family. I don't know how to do that. I, don't, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't know how to do it. Right. And so um, it's this magical thing that nobody thinks they're capable of doing. And it's, I, I find, um, I think I talked not long ago about the notion of spiritual gifts. Um, one of the things that, that I've noticed um, is we search and try to determine what our spiritual gift is. And once we've done so, let's say my spiritual gift is X over here. Well, then so-and-so is right in front of us, needs to be encouraged. Well, that's not my spiritual gift. Oh, yeah. I'm not qualified to do that. <laughs> so I'm gonna, yeah. You need to go over and find someone that has that gift. That's not mine, so I'm not going to do it. And that's not at all what that concept is supposed to be but it's exactly what we're saying in in the context of this we've lost sight of who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing uh for one another so right. it sounds uh, like you're saying it takes a village is that it what does it actually like... what i'm saying is it takes a congregation takes a, a body of believers that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah well he just yeah. raised the point that uh I'm the back. pictures is back I'm now back, Carl. it's nice yeah. to uh, that uh, people will figure out what their spiritual gifting is, quote unquote, and then they do nothing that isn't perfectly in line with that spiritual gifting. Right. And right. Well, I could hear you talking. In, I was in the kitchen. I could hear you saying that people don't feel like they are qualified to do various things because, you know, they think it's this magical yep. thing that's been been bestowed on them. But but actually, to bring it around, that I think is one of the flaws with the public school system. It's the thing that's reinforcing the idea. When 95% of students in the United States graduate from that system, it reinforces the idea that in order to teach, you need to be a teacher. In order to, yes. you know, in order to administrate, you need to be an administrator. In order to cook, you need to be a cafeteria worker. Like all of those things, everybody has their role. And there is some there is some of that in at the family level too. I mean, there are roles and there are different gifts that people have, different strengths. I've got one kid who loves to bake. I've got another kid who prefers to like dig in the dirt. Um, so there's some of that that's just like wiring. 
But yeah, like you were saying before, people don't know how that fits in with the big picture. They don't know how to function in a family. And that includes in a family picking up the slack from the person who's normally the cook, you know, when the cook is sick or something else pops up where you have to flex a little bit and you have to wear multiple hats. People just don't know how to do that. And again, with the knot, I'm not sure how to even begin untangling this knot because it's like, how do you teach a person how to learn how to teach or, you know, how do you, how do you teach a person how to fill a role if they're already convinced that that's not their role? It's not their gift. And they don't, yeah, their gift is not learning. I'm not great at learning new things. It's like, well, yeah, we're in a lot of trouble, aren't we? (laughs) You know, part of the, what you're saying, first of all, I agree with, but there are many in my profession who are offended by the notion that someone else can do what they do. Yeah. I've got the degree. I'm the professional. So right. it's not just right. that society itself convinces us that that's the way it is. Yeah. You have an entire sector of, of public school employees and certainly unions th- that that is the voice that they are screaming. You can't do this. Yeah. You're going to mess this up and we need to be the ones in charge. And uh, I, I don't know if that's where you start unraveling it. You, you have folks, but but how? I, yeah. I don't know. What well, you I, said I is know. fatally flawed, and I think that's true. Well, it's, it's, and it it's bears dying. mentioning, too. It can't be fixed. It bears mentioning, too. My husband is a nurse, a registered nurse, and the same thing is going on in that system in healthcare. The same thing is going on there as in education. Um, the same thing is going on there in among clergy, too. I mean, we now yeah. have have pastors. Oh, counseling is another one. Like the the counseling system is all about how you can't even talk to somebody who's got depression or anxiety, or you can't talk to somebody who's on the autism spectrum, you know, unless you have X, Y, Z credentials. And you can damage them. You can give them really bad advice and damage them. So for my part, I've just been like slowly encroaching in all of these areas just to be the person who's like, yeah, I got the degree. It's not that great. Like I did it with writing people. Everybody in my school was like oh i'm an author i'm a novelist and i'm like no you're a student at the same school i am getting the same degree you're not that great like novelists have novels luke is now like out on social media being like in case anybody wants to know my opinion on the covid vaccine you know private message me like the dominant narrative is not always what you think it is or the the dominant narrative does not always address every single individual who's in that you know career their actual perspective um, and so I, my intention is to go down to Faith Baptist Church in Lafayette, get certified as a biblical counselor, and then I can start like chipping away at some of those assumptions too. Like just because yeah. you have, just because you're good at reading and good at passing a test and good at being certified with various things, which I always have been, that doesn't yeah. mean that you are necessarily more equipped for this particular situation or this calling than I am because God gave me four kids, but he didn't give me everybody else's kids too. And so if it takes me with my certification to tell you, actually you're more qualified than I am. All right. I guess I'll go get (laughs) so twisted and so backward. I'll go get the certification to tell you that you don't need it. You don't need expert (laughs) advice from somebody who's certified. Right. 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 I mean, it's true. Uh, I took the classes in education and you, I mean, educational psychology has completely changed from what it was when I took the classes and my computers in education. You can only imagine <laughs> what that was back then. And and none of that stuff. There's a reason why it is 
well known, and you'll even hear teachers repeat this, that you learn more in the first week in a classroom than you do in the four years of training for that classroom. And so we, we know it, we admit it, yeah. but then when the argument comes up, then we, no, 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 we pretend that that's, that that's well, not the case. John, I think, I, I think you retweeted something that I had said in an article about that as a professional educator, I will never come close to being uh, equipped to do what a parent can do for a child. They're always going right. to be the better teacher for that child right. than I could ever be. Well, and that's common sense among right. educators too. I mean, they say that all the time too. I, I taught in special education for a few years before I had my first child. And they, we were always lamenting the fact that like, there's only so much that we can do here, you know, during the, the daylight hours. If it's not being reinforced, at least, you know, Correct. by the parents, I mean, there's just nothing you can do. If they're coming from a really sketchy environment, their parents don't care. I mean, what are you going to do? Teachers right. know, they admit that, like, there's nothing you can do in that that situation or very little. Um, yes. It's just that when it comes to, like, there's there's a certain pride, I think, that gets pricked Absolutely. sometimes where it, I don't know when Absolutely. or why it happens, but like suddenly the things we were all agreeing about a few seconds ago, it's like, Oh no, no, oh, no. I am gone. changing the world right now with what I'm doing. Gone. <laughs> yes. The, the hero mentality. I uh, it's, it's embarrassing. Uh, that's the only word for it. It's just embarrassing. Luke was so, Luke literally said the exact same words at the beginning of the pandemic when his own yes. coworkers were putting signs in their own front yard saying a hero, a hero works lives here. here or lives yep. here. Yeah. A hero lives here. Yep. He was like, are we kidding right now? Are we yep. seriously? What is happening? Yeah. Well, there is, uh, there, it, it's, it's just not true that, that one teacher or even a group of teachers speaks for everybody. And no. that's, we, that's pretty well understood here amongst us and uh, with Carl, mm -hmm. but it, there yes. are a lot of people and, and I, I don't blame them because they've grown up. They've grown up uneducated. Right. A lot of people have just grown up without any sort of education on and so they don't know that you can't believe everything that everybody says right. i mean they don't yeah. they don't know that and that was one of the first things i learned i remember my parents saying when i was a little kid hey i can't believe everything that everybody tells you and it's like oh you yeah. can't oh okay but some <laughs> some people don't know that some people think yeah. that everybody that's telling them something is telling them the truth right yeah right well and then those are the people who who will sometimes say things like i'm not equipped to homeschool my own kids and i I'm like, yeah, on one level, that's actually kind of true right now. But one of the things, <laughs> one of the things I was talking about with our church leaders was starting a school, like all very hypothetical, very, you know, early stages. What would that look like? What would it, what would it need to be? And I told the elders up front, I said, it would need to be family based and not student based. Like if it's student centric, we already have a bunch of places in town that are going to be capable of doing that. And they're doing great for that goal. They're doing well. Yeah. Um, but what we have now are multiple generations, even grandparents who did, who missed very important stages of development, very, very important stages of logic and rhetoric and, you know, critical thinking um, or, or worse, they didn't miss them, but they were incorrectly educated. They were actually yeah. indoctrinated with, with humanism and relativism and postmodernism and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and, and I'm explaining this to the elders the best that I can. And I'm like, Oh no, 
They've missed some of these states. Uh, oh, no. Like, I'm talking to people, a lot of the people who are actually at church who would be responsible for even building these schools or, you know, selecting curriculum yeah. and all that. They're in the boat that I'm talking about right now. And and I don't, I feel very trapped and, you know, like my hands are tied. But, yeah, do you begin to even chip away at, at those layers? When you have missed a step, like, I know what to do. When you give me a brand spanking new baby, they don't even know how to yeah. talk yet. You know, I know how to slowly, slowly help them learn their colors and help them learn their right. shapes and they tie their shoes and they learn that no means no. And if you, if you disobey, then you get a swat. Like I know all of that. Right. But a lot of people don't. Yeah. But what do you do when you're talking to adults and they missed those things? And so I, I'm happy to then be the resource for anybody who's like aware that that's their problem. Anybody who's like, yeah, I just need to kind of move in with a family. I need to be adopted by a family that can just show me some of these basic things and I'll, I'll observe and I'll implement it in my own house. Like I would do that. But yeah, again, I don't know that, that many people are even aware of it and it's very tangled. Well, if you guys get it figured out, (laughs) I was just about to ask you to tell to tell us what to do. Yeah. Well, I was getting ready to, but I just looked at the clock, and I unfortunately <laughs> I'm out of time. It's out of time. He's got the solution on the tip of his tongue, yep. but we don't we'll have just, time to articulate. Next time. Just before he Dog shared the it. keys to the. Yep. Just yeah. before he unlocked everything, <laughs> we ran out of time. Ah, uh, well, there'll be there will be other times. I always uh, I always like. I always like talking to Pete. I think this is the first time that you've been on since we've been on the new network. And so. Oh, it's a good. I like those reformed people. I've been independent Church of Christ my whole life. But man, being around all these reformed Presby's and and Calvinists, I'm just like. I'm still weirded out. Right now. A few years ago, I was like, Catholics, I love (laughs) you and your pro-life stance. Like you're doing so well in the culture. I don't necessarily want to become a Catholic, but like I can totally respect what you're doing with the pro-life movement. Now I'm like, oh, reformed folks, I'm so happy that you are here for this woke, like destroying of the scriptures, like, you know, undermining everything traditional. They are like. Right there with their Luther quotes and their <laughs> their John <laughs> their Knox. Man, and do they love John, John Knox, Knox and G.K. Chesterton. It's Chesterton. Just, I'm oh. telling you, man, that group is what gets me. Like I use Twitter to be able to find – this sounds bad, but it's where I get news stories and ideas for articles that I write. That's why I stay on Twitter. Otherwise, I, w- I wouldn't. Yeah. But those reform people keep me sane yep. on there. I mean, to follow them and have them cleansing my timeline is a wonderful <laughs> thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's those so. five solas. They, they keep them sane. Those solas. Yeah, they, solas keeping them sane. Yeah. I'm going to play our outro music. All right. Say well, something witty and interesting. Uh, you, you still got a website, right, at peterheck.com? Yeah, it pretty much points people towards the Substack, the newsletter that I've got. But yeah. Okay, so uh, you can go to Peter Heck, H-E-C-K, dot com if you want to see more stuff from Pete. And uh, we'll do it again. Yeah, let me know. Next time we'll do it at your place because I I want to (laughs) be surrounded by artificial plants. I'll turn the sounds on. It'll be great. (laughs) That's not weird at all. Thanks for visiting the Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. 
We'll see you next time. 